Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of Bible Prophecy for today. My name is Heather. I give you news and views from a West Texans uh, biblical point of view. One you're not going to find in your mainstream media. Hey guys, if you joined me early this morning uh, on my first episode of the day, you heard me talking about some major, major issues going on. Some huge headlines huge it's going to be huge huge headlines involving the united states in the who in what is involved as the pandemic treaty which takes away the united states sovereignty anyway you want to go listen to that episode because it's huge anyway and i talked about some other articles that i wanted to touch on but i didn't get to this morning but here i am gonna tell you about them right now and let's talk about those we roll on over here so the absence of the rapture and related topics from our churches today is a great tragedy guys that is from Jen Markell. You can find it at HarbingersDaily.com. Harbingers Daily with Jen Markell. And uh, who also has Olive Tree Views on Olive Tree Ministries. Check it out. OliveTreeViews.org. And what else? Living as normal in the shadow of impending catastrophe. See that going on every day, right? People with their news and their phone. Nothing's going. Nothing to see here, folks. People dropping dead right beside them. Nothing to see here, folks. <laughs> it's just this new pace, this new thing. Sudden adult death. Yeah, it's always been around, you know. <laughs> anyway, what else? Next step for apostate churches conforming God to their gender agenda. Oh, yeah. And what else? The greatest cover up in human history. Where shall we start, guys? Where shall we start? You know what? Let's start with the greatest cover-up in human history. It's by Ben Shapiro, and it's at pjmedia.com. Posted March the 1st, today, early, early this morning at 12.32 a.m. So, first, it was supposedly a conspiracy theory. Then it was banned. Finally, it was true. The so-called, air quote, lab leak theory of the origins of COVID-19. The theory that COVID-19 originated in a uh, Wuhan uh, Institute of Virology and then was unintentionally loosed was always the most probable explanation for the outbreak of the deadly virus. After all, as John Stewart correctly choked in 2021, oh my blank there's a novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking wuhan china what do we do oh you know who we could ask the wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab the disease is the same name as the lab that's just a little too weird don't you think unquote so but for well over a year it was considered verboten to mention the lab leak um theory verboten i'm sorry i'm just a girl from texas anyway <laughs> when Senator Tom Cotton, Republican of Arkansas, posited the possibility of a leak lab leak in February of 2020, he was roundly mocked by the media. The New York Times headline, Senator Tom Cotton repeats fringe theory of coronavirus origins. Scientific America headlined in March 2022, the lab leak hypothesis made it harder for scientists to seek the truth facebook actively squashed attempts to disseminate the uh, disseminate the theory dr anthony fauci went on national television and downplayed the theory why two reasons are obvious the first powerful institutions had a stake in downplaying the chinese origins of the virus in order to shift blame to the rest of the world certainly that was china's game in all likelihood covid 19 was spreading in china as early as october of 2019 and the government covered it up for months but that was also the game of the who organization you know the ones that government that uh, our government biden wants to hand the keys over to here you guys just make up everything and you know dictate it to the rest of the world you know 
Sure, of course, why not? Anyway, members of the American government, like Fauci, also had a stake in smothering questions about American funding for gain-of-function research in Wuhan. Why? Because, oh, they were doing that. I'm sorry. Anyway, then there's the second reason all the wrong people were repeating the lab leak theory. As one of MSNBC's uh, resident hacks, Mady Hassan, or whatever, admitted on Twitter, the simple reason why so many people weren't keen to the discussion the lab leak theory is because it was originally conflated by the right with Chinese bioweapon conspiracies and continues to be conflated by the right with anti-Fauci conspiracies. Oh, you know, blame the conspiracy theorists. As Nate Silver correctly noted, the bad people thought the lab leak might be true. Therefore, as journalists, we expect we we couldn't couldn't be expected to actually evaluate the evidence for it. Unquote. <laughs> No, of course not. No, those bad Republicans, those bad, bad conservatives. Oh, my gosh, those horrible Christians. How dare they tell us the truth? We've got to suppress it as misinformation. (laughs) Misinformation. Anybody ever heard that word until I It's the most, I'm sorry, idiotic word I've ever heard in my life. Misinformation. That's all they have. You science deniers. (laughs) What? What? Oh, my goodness. Herein lies the issue. He says, herein lies a lesson. He says, a huge number of people have decided that there are a cadre of people who are so vile that any opinion they touch is immediately toxified beyond investigation. Claims are not to be evaluated on their own merits. Instead, we can simply determine whether a claim ought to be supported based on those who post it. Yes, this helps to explain why political crossover has become nearly impossible. We're not judging the claims of our opponents. We're judging each other. And this means that we can discard any argument simply by dint of the fact that we don't like the person offering it. Folks, have you noticed that? So it's happened in the United States, probably the world. If you disagree with the elitist, you know, the clash of Schwab, the fourth industrial revolution, you know, we're going to be AI. We're going to be part computer, part person. We're going to be machine and man. We're going to live forever. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Just see him in his basement, you know, wearing his little Spock uniform. <laughs> you know, we're going to take over the world. Anyway, that's what they think. That's what these people think. And boy, howdy, they're moving right along as planned, aren't they? But what they don't realize is that is Satan's plan. Satan's plan. And they're just minions. They're just minions being controlled by Satan, possessed by Satan and uh, demons. And, you know, they're just like going along with that. We're going to take over the world. We're going to be part machine. You're going to upload my brain into the cloud and I'm going to live forever. That's what these people think. What? Oh, man. Talk about a bad science fiction movie. Oh, but then you go back and look at Hollywood and all the movies are out there. What are these movies been prepping people for? I say grooming people for what? Look at look at the look at Hollywood. Look at them. They're all grooming you for something coming. What's coming? Humanity 2.0. That's Klaus Schwab. Yuval Harari. We are useless eaters, people. That's what they call us. Useless eaters. Yes. And uh, why do you think they push the LGBT alphabet soup thing so hard? Because those people don't procreate. They don't have kids. We've got to get the population down to 500 million. Oh my gosh, we're all going to die. What did God say? Go and populate the world. (laughs) These people, there's not enough room. When was the last time you flew over Texas? When was the last time you got a plane and flew anywhere? It's a lot of open space out there. A lot. A lot. <laughs> These people are, are wicked. 
wicked, wicked to the core. They're making up and inventing new ways to be evil. Now there's the RSV vaccine, mRNA vaccine for your children. You must go and get this RSV uh, mRNA vaccine for your child. They are wicked. Murderous Satan is a murderer. He is a liar. He's the father of all lies. He's a murderer from the beginning. Folks, wake up. Wake up and open up your Bible. And smell the pages, kids, because we are living in the end days. And I don't know how much more clear the world can make it. Jesus said, you are in this world, but you are not of this world. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. Hello, folks. And what did Jesus say? They hated me. They're going to hate you, too. Folks, if they love you, you're probably too much of the world, right? If they don't love you, then you're probably doing the right thing. And it's funny because I was reading in my Bible earlier and I was like, you know, Satan, uh, he has come to kill and to steal and to destroy. Look around the world today. What is going on? People are dropping like flies, just dropping dead. Athletes, like the most fittest people are dropping dead, like in their 30s and 20s and teens. Has this ever happened in history? No. Do you know how many people have died over the last year? More than World War II. And war, listen, folks, that is, that's a lot of people. Now, not more than the entire World War II. The United States. How many people the United States lost in World War II? That's how many people have died just in the last year. That's a still, that's like, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people, guys. And, and when you think about all these people that are dying, dropping, these are people's parents, kids, children, fathers, aunts, uncles, cousins, brothers, sisters, you know, mothers, daughters, fathers, sons, you know, uncles, aunts, whatever. These are not just statistics, people. They're not just like data. Okay. It should, I just, it pisses me off. I'm going to use that word because it does. It pisses me off horribly bad. Now they want to kill your kids. They're already killing your kids. You know, go back and, and, you know, when I was a kid, I think we had like seven vaccines, maybe six. I don't know. And uh, I don't know anybody with autism from my age group. Not one person do I ever remember having autism. No. ADHD. Yeah, I had that. <laughs> it's called that. Uh, once you bring me the belt, boy, you get over that pretty fast. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's the old rest was wrong with society today. You know, they do not. Uh, they do not do corporal punishment with their kids. <laughs> I'm going to take your phone away, okay? And I want you to go and think about this as you play on your iPad or whatever. Yeah. Here, little Timmy, here's a trophy. I know you didn't do anything and you never get off the bench, but oh, here's your trophy. It's a participation trophy, although technically you didn't participate because you sat on the bench all year. But hey, here's your trophy anyway, little Timmy. Yeah. And so these kids grow up and they come to work for people like me and uh, you can't teach them anything because they're just literally uncoachable. We'll put it that way, coaching. That's a nice fancy word too because, you know, when I started out in management, we weren't coaching, you know, we weren't, that was not the approach that we took. <laughs> it's not what we called it. But, you know, now in this dumbed down, don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, oh my gosh, it's we're going to, you know, we're just going to coach people and make them better. That's right. Oh my goodness. I don't even recognize the world that I live in. Do you guys, you wake up in the morning going, oh, what's going to happen today? <laughs> maybe, just maybe, the Lord Jesus will come and take us home. I'm telling you, 
I'm praying for that moment every every single day. I'm praying for that moment. But until then, we are to be about our father's business. We are to be about our father's business. We are to be telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for you, what he's done for me, and what he can do for them, right? Because there's no other way to be saved out of this wretched world than to be saved by Jesus Christ. Because I'm telling you, Jesus is the only way, the truth, and life. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Okay? That's what I'm talking about, folks. But anyway, I wanted to throw off some scripture here because I was a friend of mine way back when during the pandemic. Uh, Miss Chris, she sent me um, these cards. And it's kind of cool. It's from Psalms. And so there's like just little nuggets of, uh, of, of scripture. And the one that I um, opened up here, and it says Psalm 12, or I'm sorry, Psalm 121, verse 7, uh, says, The Lord will keep you from all harm. And then I was like, well, that was wonderful. And the next one told me, Psalm 103, verses 8, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. And uh, what really got me thinking on that one was, um, we're living in this world and Jesus said that we're going to have trials, we're going to have tribulations and people are going to hate us, right? It didn't say it's going to be rainbows and puppies, folks, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. No, on the contrary, it's just the opposite, right? But when I read this and it says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. That's Psalm 103 verse 8. You know what that reminds me of is we are here in this wicked cesspool of a world right now waiting for Jesus Christ to come and make all things right. But you know how much God loves people, loves those, and he does not want them to perish, but for all to come to repentance in Christ Jesus. He has not, he has not sent Christ back to literally unleash his wrath on this world. That day is coming, folks. That day is coming. Christ is coming. That tribulation day is coming. But that's how much Jesus and God loves all of us in the Holy Spirit because our Heavenly Father is that gracious and slow to anger. Long-suffering is another one. He doesn't want anybody to perish and go to hell. And so take it as a wake-up call right now. Because I don't know, and I'm sure you're wondering the same thing too, how much longer God will let this happen. Allow these wickedness to continue. I don't know. And there's some stuff out there, guys, that is so vile and so wicked um, that I don't think uh, you, you can scrub your brain from it so don't look too hard to find it because there's a lot a lot of wickedness out there and so keep reading the word renewing your mind because that right there is what cleanses us okay well jesus christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness but keep reading his word um, to renew your mind otherwise it's a cesspool right so you know this article goes on to talk about um, you know, among members of the general population, this is a problem, but not a fundamental one. But among those who pose as, quote, experts, the people who are supposed to serve as guides for people who outsource their political information from media to scientific in institutions, it's a fatal error. After all, experts are supposed to be impartial adjudicators of the evidence. That's their entire job. We can evaluate on our own who we don't like, but we often need help to determine 
whether an argument has merit or not. And he says that's precisely what happened with COVID-19. Whether it was ignoring the actual evidence regarding mask and mask mandates, the evidence regarding post-vaccination uh, transmissibility, or the evidence regarding the lab leak theory, experts decided that the wrong people had to be ignored, but they were wrong. And now they have no credibility left, he says. And so I want to go back in. I said, I, I don't really think it has anything to do with the wrong people were saying that. I think they had a plan like Event 201 back in October of 2019 with Bill Gates and Fauci and the World Health Organization and Bill Schreiner, the boss Schwab's and all those elitist group and the, let's call them the cereal boxes of people. Um, they knew what their plan was and they had it planned. Folks, this is a pandemic, And so I don't think the wrong people were saying that. I think they were trying to shut up the wrong people because they knew we were going to come out of the woodwork and they knew that there would be doctors and, and virologists and actual scientists who were going to say, hey, you know. And so they bought out the media and they bought out corporations and they bought out employers and they just bought out governments and everything else. And uh, they did it with, you know, with this whole pandemic they knew what they were doing this thing has been planned they ha they know where they're going with it and of course you got to look at who is the actual person or it behind the whole plan it is satan so satan has an agenda folks he knows he has but a short time that's what jesus said he's got but a short time which means he's gonna move quickly he's gonna move quickly to uh push his agenda now keep thinking agenda 30 <laughs> Agenda 2030. Anyway, so uh, let's move right along here to living as normal in the shadow of impending catastrophes by how Lindsay posted on the 27th of February, and you can find it at harbingersdaily.com. So much of the world lives in a split reality divided between normalcy and despair. Most adults understand that at any given time, there are any number of possible calamities bearing down on the earth. Nuclear threats from Russia and or China could mean disaster tomorrow. Economic meltdown could be only days away. A new plague could hit with more speed and greater impact than the last one. But such fears do not change the routine patterns of daily life. Most folks will get up tomorrow morning, go to work, go to school, uh, return home at the appointed time, and generally go about their daily routines. Young people and some older ones will fall in love and get married. People will spend a surprisingly large part of their day on food, working to pay for it, going out to shop for it, then purchasing it, preparing it, and, uh, uh, preparing for consumption, eating it, and finally cleaning up the mess. Who has time to worry about calamities, he says. If you can hear the background, Squirt and Scruff and Murph are, whoo, they are going at it, you guys. They are, I just gave them treats, so maybe they were, that's what they were focused on. Anyway, so um, in Matthew 24, verse 37 to 38, Jesus said, The coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah, for as it was in the days which were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving a marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And so the scripture means that the basic uh, pursuits of humanity will continue, even as people adjust to new and growing problems. It does not mean that everything will stay the same. Earlier in that, earlier in the same chapter, after Jesus talked about the days leading up to his return as a time of extraordinary earthquakes, famines, and wars. He warned of lawlessness, false prophets, and persecutions. Those dangers will grow and they will be everywhere. It will become almost unbearable during the tribulation. He goes, thankfully, those who are in Christ today will be gone by that time. But we are already ex experiencing the beginning of those things that will manifest themselves so severely later on. As a result, people are experiencing a tremendous increase 
experiencing stress, discouragement, loneliness, and fear. We live in a time when everyday life falls deeper into the shadow of impending doom. The, the answer can be found in God and his word. The answer is Jesus. We need to, oops, sorry about that. We need to say that out loud and to say it often. Sometimes Christians despair of saying it because they know that an entire generation has been trained to disregard everything they hear about Jesus or the Bible. Like Pavlov's dogs, they are trained for a specific response to certain stimuli. They are trained to disregard the Savior of the world and to disdain those who mention him. But we must keep speaking the truth. Romans 3, 3 tells us that unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God. In Isaiah 55, 11, God said, My word shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the manner or the matter for which I sent it. And so keep telling others, he says, be neither bashful nor belligerent, speak in love, but speak. The people around you are hungry and you carry with you the bread of life. Show them who that is. And Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not be weary in doing well, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Folks, what better words can we possibly speak about right now but the word of the Lord and to tell people about him during this day of uncertainty and this day of lawlessness and this day of apostasy and evilness? I keep coming back to it, guys. Tell your loved ones. Tell the people you don't like. Tell your neighbors. Tell everybody you possibly can about Jesus Christ. So the next step for the apostate churches is conforming to God, conforming God to their gender agenda. This is David Firiazzo posted on the 13th of February. And you can find it at harbingersdaily.com. Even before the formation of the early church, Jesus taught his disciples to pray to our Father. He also said that I and the Father are one. And you can find that in Luke 11, 1 through 4 and John 10, 30. But don't let God stop the Episcopal church from bowing before the altar of DEI and making sure prayers align with an inclusive gender neutral God. You heard that right. Diversity, equity, and inclusion in the apostate modern church declares God can't be male because he doesn't have a gender. The Episcopal Church debate uh, centers on the possibility of overhauling their book of common prayer which is used in its congregations worldwide. This is another example of compromise and rebellion due to the apparent increase in global woke and awareness about people being offended by language, the usage of pronouns are upsetting those who deny who God created them to be. In progressive terms, they do not identify with the gender they were assigned at birth. Church spokesperson Bishop Michael Ippegrave states, and I quote, Christians have recognized since ancient times that God is neither male nor female. He said, yet the variety of ways of addressing and describing God found in scripture has not always been reflected in our worship, unquote. If God is neither male nor female, then Jesus is a liar, according to the actual words used in scripture. If Jesus is the Lord, then he can't be our savior. So we're all lost forever. According to an article in Reuters titled Church of England Explores Gender Neutral God, Ippegrave also said there had been greater interest in exploring new contemporary language for over 20 years. This supposed new revelation is the latest attempt by the church to keep up with rapidly evolving notions around gender and sexuality in recent decades. Why? Because, you know, DEI, Romans 12, 2 states, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Reverend Will Gaffney is on the committee recommending a change to the prayer book. Like many other Episcopal priests, he wants prayers to reflect that God is bigger than any gender. Gaffney, a professor of the Hebrew Bible at Bright Divinity School in Texas, said, 
That's a disgrace to Texas. I'm sorry, folks. Anyway, quote, as long as, quote, men and, quote, God are in the same category, our work toward equality will not. I'm sorry, not equality. Oops, I'm so sorry. Our work towards equity will not just be incomplete. I honestly think it won't matter in some ways, unquote. So equity triumphs or equity trumps truth, tradition, and inspiration of the scriptures, question mark. Got it, he says. It must be noted that the wayward Episcopal Church has long separated from the Church of England and will consider the resolutions during its Texas convention this week. That's so sad for us in Texas. Anyway, but why stop with the gender change for God? Some advocates want other uh, revisions, including climate change, a Christian's duty to the earth's conservation, adding same-sex marriage ceremonies to the liturgy, even though uh, for years they've been performing homosexual weddings and even adding a ceremony uh, to celebrate a transgender person's adoption of a new name. Makes me want to throw up in my mouth. Anyway, Protestant denominations such as the United Methodist Church and the Evangelical Lutheran Church have also debated the use of gender language for God. Uh, This redefining of truth and rebellion against God and his word is nothing new. Five years ago, he says he reported on an Episcopal church in San Francisco that held what was called a Beyonce mass featuring the occult influenced singers music in a quote church and quote service. Never the church service. Anyway, in that case, God was, you guessed it, a woman during the actual Beyonce Mass. An alternate feminist perversion of the Lord's Prayer was printed in the program for attendees to read out loud. And here is an example. I hope it did not throw up in my mouth. Quote, our mother who is in heaven and within us, we call upon your names, your wisdom come, your I can't even read the rest of it because I feel like I want to vomit. But if you want to read that, you can go to HarbingerDaily.com and read that for yourself. It also states uh, for I can't even read it, guys. Okay, I'm going to try. It also stated for you are the dwelling place within us, the empowerment around us and the celebration. Ugh, I can't do it. Folks. I just can't do it. It just makes me sick. The Holy Spirit saying, what are you doing? Ooh, if you guys want to stomach that and read it for yourself, there's two little quotes there. You can go to harbingersdaily.com and read that. But anyway, it's no surprise. San Fran's Grace Cathedral also hosted yoga, candlelight, Lambeth rocks, and forums entitled When Art is Racist. Like many churches that have abandoned sound doctrine and the inerrancy of scripture, they are proud of progressives. Let me tell you something. If you go to church and they say that yoga is Christian, get out of the church because no. You know, I remember that at the Southern Baptist Church that I used to attend and attended for 10 years they had a yoga instructor there, and I was like, um, that's, um, Hinduism? You know? Oh, you can make it Christian. It's just poses. Really? I don't think so. That's not what it is. It is not. It's the Kundalini spirit. I'm sorry. But they try to Christianize everything. If you go into a church that tries to Christianize um, the Enneagram, and they try to Christianize all this garbage, get out. Get out of that church. That's not a church. They have fallen from the way. And if you try to bring it up to them to tell them and they won't listen, get out. Just just get out. Save yourself and just get out. Save yourself the uh, the the whatever, the controversy and the whatever. Just get out because they're not going to change, unfortunately. And that's sad. If you want to know the truth about yoga, you can go and watch Pastor Billy Crone on all of his Bible studies, on all the Easter meditation, all this stuff. You need to go and check it out. And Pastor... Uh, our brother, Spencer Smith, has the same folks on his um, Third Adam's 
got to go check them out. Anyway, so we move right along here. The spirituality behind contemporary feminism often comes in the form of goddess worship to Gaia or Mother Earth. And the fact that these worshipers have a desire to overthrow the patriarchal structure in society. So this regendering or ungendering of language or the addition of feminine deities is clearly open rebellion against God as father and against the authority of Jesus Christ. By the way, one idea behind this so-called liberation for women is to regain their natural power and to have authority over men. To accomplish this dominance, they must invoke certain spirits to help destroy the Judeo-Christian religion. Whatever the motive, the Bible warns against adding or taking away from it because scripture is infallible, folks. In this case of gender-believing disciples of Christ have referred to God and Jesus by using male terms for over 2,000 years from Genesis to Revelation and the 170 references to God as the Father. God refers to himself as male. There are also close to 1,000 verses where God uses a masculine Greek noun as a direct reference to himself. Writing for CBN News, Steve Warren states, God is described in the Bible in several male metaphors, including king, father, husband, master, and the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is repeatedly referred to in the Bible's New Testament as the son of God. There are other references throughout the New Testament where Jesus used male nouns and pronouns to describe himself as a man. People, pleasers, and apostates are attempting to conform God to their human agendas. The apostle Paul wrote that wrote to the Galatians as Asking if he were trying to please God or man and stated Galatians 1.10 and King James Version says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Goes on to say, so is God male, female, gender neutral? If you are sincerely seeking answers, read the Bible and ask God to reveal the truth to you about his character, authority, and who Jesus is. Just the fact some are asking these or just the fact that some are asking these questions and having these debates today shows a new low in biblical literacy as well as inadequate teaching from church leaders who are supposed to equip the saints and preach the whole counsel of God. His truth doesn't change with the times and we must be ready to respond to these issues. Once again, that is uh, author and speaker and host David Fury. Also, guys, check it that out at Harbinger's Daily dot com harbingersdaily.com and so the absence of the rapture and related topics from our churches today is a great tragedy so i started this article earlier this morning and it's by jan markell posted on the 28th of february and you can find it at guess where harbingersdaily.com jan makes a lot of good points um from his article and so let's go ahead and read what she has to say so she said i recently read a passion article by jonathan brittner on the divorce of rapture theology from the gospel and from pulpit she said i so resonated with the main points he made the absence of this topic and related topics from our churches today is a great tragedy she said when rapture discussion ended some 30 years ago in the church and elsewhere so did discussion of the millennium Israel's key end time role and the trend toward the tribulation, the building of the third temple in Jerusalem, the prominence of end time deception, the rush to a cashless society in central bank digital currency, and so much more. She said, it became almost impossible to understand the times from a biblical and prophetic perspective. She said, and right at a time when people began asking earnest questions as they observe the turmoil of our times. She said, 
She said, um, I'm taking a few talking points from the Brittner article below. And she goes, somewhere in the past, a tragic divorce occurred. Theologians decided we must separate the return of Jesus for his church from the proclamation of the gospel. The results of this untimely divorce have led to a dearth of understanding among believers regarding Jesus' appearing and the joyful anticipation that comes with such awareness. Confused believers hear that they will surely die rather than meet Jesus in the air, which directly contradicts the New Testament in passages such as 1 Corinthians 15 51 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 17. The Apostle Paul believed there would be many saints alive at the time of the rapture but many preachers today disagree with him on this matter. The divorce of the rapture from gospel has resulted in a near blackout of teaching about our blessed hope in churches today. This negatively impacts new believers as well as seasoned saints as it leaves them ill prepared to live in a fear ridden society because such teaching Teaching provides no prophetic context into which they can place uh, the violence and lawlessness of our days or the push for a new world order. And she says, um, this is still quoting from uh, Jonathan Brentner's article, and he said, the new converts in Thessalonica were so fixated on the soon departure from the earth that when some in their midst had died, they grieved unnecessarily thinking they would miss out on the rapture, which is First Thessalonians 4, 13 to 19. In response, Paul emphasized the primary place of the dead in Christ during the rapture, telling his converts that Jesus would resurrect them first at his appearing in that a wonderful feeling lord oh my goodness you guys that's a wonderful feeling that our lord jesus is going to resurrect those who have gone before us first and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with those who are in the air oh and we will meet the lord and be with him forever what a wonderful promise. Anyway, goes on to say another sorrowful result of this divorce is this. It takes the eyes of believers away from their ultimate hope at a time when they need such a focus. Instead, their eyes remain focused on earthly aspirations. Very few pastors talk about what happens at the moment Jesus returns for his church. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 55, which is, you know, in the twinkling of an eye. This mortal body will put on immortality, you know. And within Philippians 3, 20 through 21 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 17. Even those that believe these things never ever mention the believer's hope of immortal bodies fear or for fear that talking about the rapture might hurt attendance. Yes. So anyway, and she says, as she wrote, this is Jan Markell reading back now. She says, as I wrote in a previous article, what happened to my church? Someone made a conscious decision some 30, 40 years ago that we should have a new way of doing church. Although many members and attendees agreed there was nothing wrong with old ways of doing church. Terms began being used like purpose driven, seeker sensitive church growth movement, postmodernism emergent and more rick warren sorry let's do that one in there for free anyway joe losey and his fellow travelers began telling us uh we could have our best life now as christians who would want to long for his appearing with that in mind she asked people started to hear about love unity and tolerance we must be known for what we agree on not what we disagree on everything and everyone must be accepted aberrations must be accepted people love it and people loved having their ears tickled they would be encouraged to quote feel good and have their self-esteem built up sound doctrine was being set aside the saving of souls was being set aside for the entertainment factor in social justice causes and might i add money that's what they're saying money it's all about the money 
I threw that one in too. Anyway, she goes on to say, it seemed that many in the church no longer cared uh, that so many were on their way to hell. What an offensive, intolerant thought. But clearly, sound doctrine will separate and divide, so we must tread lightly in that area. Relevant issues have vanished from most pulpits. Here in 2023, all of this would be called wokeism, and a marvelous cure for wokeism would be a focus on the fact that the king is coming perhaps today, she says. Pulpits that are focusing on this glorious good news are growing exponentially and don't have to worry about church growth. Folks, get in the word of God. Let the word of God get into you. Get into a church that preaches the word of God. The entire whole council of the word of God. And uh, I was watching um, Pastor Brett Meter with Athie uh, Creek. And uh, it's kind of funny because... Um, he goes, you know, I, I would classify myself, he says, as a charismatic uh, with a seatbelt on. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I'm going to I'm going to take that from him, too. That's that's probably what I would categorize myself as, as a char- charismatic with a seatbelt on. <laughs> I love it. And I was so happy to hear him say that and um, that the gifts of the spirit of uh, the holy spirit have not so i i'm not a cessationist there's a lot of cessationists out there that say the gifts are no longer um are in use and i didn't i am against that and uh you know take that as you will um you know when i i read you know what, uh, what the apostle paul says about tongues and what the apostle paul says about all these things i take it uh with what the word says exactly how the word says and the apostle paul says i wish that all of you you know would speak in tongues but you know um he says um but there's a time in a in a place for that and so do i think that these people in these churches speaking in tongues falling over shaking and all that's the kundalini spirit that is not the holy spirit the holy spirit doesn't behave like that and when you see stuff like that in these churches, them touching them like that, and then falling down like like shaking and barking like dogs, and, and that one girl that you know shakes her head all the time, folks. That's the Kundalini spirit. That is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not like that. Do I believe that tongues are? St- I guess I do. I do believe that. Um, you know, people still speak in tongues to this day. I do believe that. You know, you can hate me, you can whatever. Send me an email at heather at bibleprophecyfortoday.com. I'd love to hear from you on that one. Now, do I believe it, it, it practices like, you know, these people do today? No, I do not believe that. To me, I think it's a it's a prayer language between uh, the Holy Spirit and, you know, that lives inside of you and God. And uh, if you do speak, there should be, uh, should be not like one or two, whatever. And you have to have an interpreter. If you're going to do that in church, there has to be an interpreter. It has to be done just like the Bible says. People don't just get up and start blah, 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 like whatever. No, no. But it, the Bible never says that that is gone. And so I think it is edification, personal edification between you and the Lord. And uh, this is my, my um, take on that from what I gather from the word of God and from the apostle Paul. And I've done lots and lots of study. You know what? I may do a study. You know, you guys on a Wednesday I may do a study. Today is Wednesday. <laughs> like I may do, I may do a study on tongues, you know, and, uh, and I, and there's ones that say that, no, they're not in effect today. And that's fine. That's fine. Hey, you can believe what you want to. Um, pastor Billy Crone doesn't believe, um, that the tongues and all these things are still in effect today. Hey, that's great. You know, he's, you know, a lot of them are cessationists. You know, John MacArthur is a cessationist. Justin Peters is in, you know, brother Spencer Smith. Hey, you know, that's great. Um, but is it, is it like an doctrinal, like a salvation issue? Is it, you know, Christology? Is it, you know, 
uh, you know, there are there are secondary things that we can disagree on. But, you know, the primary doctrine of the Bible, you can't disagree on, you know, salvation, that Jesus Christ is God. The Bible is in Aaron. There's one way to, God. you know, there's but there's secondary things like the rapture of the church. And, you know, these type of things are are they what they call it secondary. And so I'm going to sneeze. Hold on one second, you guys. <laughs> Woo! I would say it's all the dirt blowing here in Texas. <laughs> oh, anyway, but I mean, that's just, that's what I think. And one of the, you know, I may do that. I may do some studying this week and I may, um, I may do a video on this for Sunday. You guys let me know what you think. Um, shoot me an email, put a comment, um, on this podcast, you know, whatever. Uh, let me know what you guys think. I think I may do that, uh, video. I think that's what I'll do on Sunday. I'll do some, um, uh, some prayerful, um, you know, searching on that and see what I can put together for that for you guys. But anyway, um, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, as Christians, brothers and sisters are going to disagree on and agree on. And, um, but you know, we, we love each other and that's the whole point because we're going to spend eternity with each other. And there'll be those that are like, you know, we're post trippers and there's like, no, we're mid trippers. We're pre wrath. We're mid wrath. We're, you know, whatever. We're all millennialism or whatever. And then, of course, we're the pre-tribulationist us folks right here is what I believe, and we're going up in the rapture. And, um, yeah, that's cool, because you can believe what you want to, and as we're on our way up uh, to meet the Lord in the air, I will look over at you and just kind of wave, you know. <laughs> like, are you still mid-trip? Because if you want, you can go back down and wait, you know. <laughs> no, for real, guys. Um, the Lord Jesus loves us all, and, um, you know, we, we just got to get into the Word. And that's the good thing about getting into the Word, you know. If you don't agree or if you do agree, what's the better way to do is to read and study the word of God. See, so like I say, get in the word of God, let the word of God get into you. And uh, maybe I gave you some food for fodder, you know, some food for thought, something to chew on. You know what I mean? Something like you like, hey, man, I want to know about that, too. Let me see what the word says. Like my mama always said, don't take my word for it. Don't take a pastor's word for it. You better find it in the Bible for yourself. That's what I'm saying. Get you some good commentary, you know. Um, look it up in the Greek lexicon, you know. Look up these words in the Greek and the Hebrew, you know. Get you a good, like, Strong's Dictionary. And um, do that kind of, just dig in, into the word, you know. Because the Greek has so much more meaning than us in the United States than our words mean. You know, like in the Hispanics, you have any, you have any Mexican friends? I got a lot of Mexican friends. You know, I'm originally from Heart, Texas. So I got a lot of a lot of my friends that are Hispanic or Mexican, you know, and they say, hey, um, well, you know, it doesn't have the same when they'll, they'll say something in Spanish. They'll be laughing. Ha ha ha. You know, and you look at them like, well, I want to jaw, 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 you know, and uh, they look at you and they're like, what well, doesn't have the same meaning in English? I'm like, really? Try me, you know, <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, it really doesn't have the same meaning. It's like, what does it really mean? And they have to like break it down. And I'm like, it's like, yeah, okay, never mind. It's not really worth it anymore, right? And so we have to go back. And not only is it like the Greek and the Hebrew, but you got to go back into culturally relevant times right here in the United States, like the King James Version, right? Beautifully written by beautifully written, right? Beautiful language. But people don't understand it today because that language is not relevant today. That language is not culturally, we don't use that vowel, vowels, you know, bowels, you know, we don't use that kind of stuff, that language anymore. 
And so the new King James Version came along like, hey, that's great. You know, the ESV, we have all, NASB, we have all these wonderful translations. And, um, and so you had to go back not only in the translations, but you also have to go back to cultural times. And I want to bring this one big point up. And Pastor Meter talked about it too. Not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before or the Wednesday before study I was watching. And if you go to YouTube, it's the second one, not today. But anyway, and he was talking about that. And so culturally relevant times. And so I always bring this up. If you guys have not watched the Before the Wrath movie, you got to go and watch Before the Wrath. Because, okay, so Jesus' 12 disciples that he chose were not just any Jews. They weren't just like the Jews from Bethsaida or the Jews from Jerusalem, whatever. They were Galilean Jews. And so that is a significant importance. But if we just read through the Bible and we never did any cultural research or we never kind of went back to see, oops, sorry, I mean to hit that, go back to see what, you know, was going on or what made them different. We would never know. But the Galilean Jews did things specifically different, especially when it came to their weddings. And so when we look at this, you know, we are the, the rapture of the church is the marriage of the lamb, the marriage supper of the lamb. All this stuff is going to happen, right? We are the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And so, you know, we always hear that like, okay, remember the 10 versions? There's the five had the oil and the five didn't. And, you know, and so here in the United States, when we get married, you know, you're engaged. You're like, okay, well, you know the time, you know the date, and uh, you know a gift to bring pretty much or where to shop and what they want, right? So you have all that planned, right? Well, Galilean wedding and Jewish wedding was completely different. And so, you know, just do me a favor, just a huge favor. Go and watch Before the Wrath and then come back and then think about what I said. And you're going to be like, whoa. So when you do get into the word of God, and I, let, and I always say, let the word of God get into you. When you study that, you got to take everything into context, right? You don't just take a verse out of context. Like all those people, thou shalt not judge, thou shalt not judge, you can't judge me. God touched, not God's anointed and all this garbage. <laughs> like you can't take one little comment out of an entire, you know, paragraph or chapter and say, yeah, see, and you don't even know what it means. Did you know the Bible doesn't have chapters and verses? You know, they didn't have that. There was like no stoppage and it, you know, there wasn't like, Hey, you know, no, it was, um, there was nothing like that, but we did that here to make it easier for us to find like, you know, chapter 12, verse 32, whatever, you know, made it easiest for us to reference things like that. But anyway, so guys, get in the word of God. I'm serious. You know, just get in, just dig into the word. I got my word right here. And, um, you know, I, like I was saying earlier, I've been reading, um, these little Psalms cards my friend Chris gave me. I thought that was so awesome. Give your burden to the Lord and he will take care of you. That is Psalm 55, 22, Psalm 55, 22. And I thought, oh, I need to hear that. Right. This is such good things to hear. It says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. That is Psalm 18, 2. You need to get into the word so that, you know, if you're stressing out, if you're freaking out, if you're like, whatever, oh my gosh, the world and this, and oh my God, the sky's falling, and get into the word of God. What did that just say right there? The Lord is our strong tower. He, we shouldn't fear. We should not fear because of the Lord is in control. Look right here. I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone. Oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. Guys, that's Psalm chapter four, verse 
8. The Lord watches over all who love him. That is Psalm 145 verse 20. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. That is Psalm 37 5. What else? Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 118 29. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord most high. That is Psalm 717. Folks, my heart trusts in the Lord and I am helped. That is Psalm 28 7. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. That is Psalm 32 verse 8. Oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That is Psalm 8 1. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. That is Psalm 50 verse 15. The words of the Lord are pure. Psalm 12 6. The Lord is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. That is Psalm 16 8. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37 4. But remember the first part of that is delight yourself in the Lord. So the Lord is gracious and full of compassion psalm 145 verse 8 and the lord blesses his people with peace that is psalm 29 11 the lord's goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life of course that's psalms 23 6 i praise you for i am fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works my soul knows it very well that is psalm 139 14 the lord directs the steps of the godly he delights in every detail of their lives thorough that's psalm 37 23 and blessed are all who take refuge in the lord it's blessed blessed are you did you get that blessed are all which is mean you who take refuge in the lord that's psalm 2 12 each day the lord pours his unfailing love upon me and through each night i sing his songs psalm 42 8 right there May the Lord give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. Psalm 20 verse 4. The Lord is the Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. That's Psalm 6 9. The Lord upholds all those who fall. Psalm 145 14. Don't tell me you've never fallen before. I have <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Psalm 12. Uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 121, verse 2. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Psalm 145, 16. And he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You all know that is Psalm 91, 1. Absolutely. And God holds the hands of his people. Psalm 135, 14. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. I read that one earlier. Psalm 103. Eight. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. Psalm 103.17 And open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. That's Psalm 34.8 And last but not least, you guys, the Lord will keep you from all harm. Psalm 121 uh, verse 7 Okay, guys. Get in the word of God. Let the word of God get into you. And Maranatha, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Oh, guys, thank you so much for listening. May God bless each and every one of you. And keep looking up with that expectation, that hopeful expectation that Christ is coming imminent 
any minute, any moment. Don't be like the five virgins that didn't have oil in their lamp and they had to go back and get oil and then they missed out and Jesus came and boom, they got locked out forever where there was gnashing and wailing of teeth. So where are you going to be? Are you going to be ready and waiting? I hope so. I hope so. He told us the days and what they would look like right before he came back. And that's what we're looking at right now. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be before the coming of man or for the coming of the son of man. Guys, get ready. Get ready. I'm doing my rapture practice. I am. I'm listening for that trumpet call. I hope you guys are too. Thank you so much. May God bless you guys.